Welcome to Rockstar Media's Episode 6 of Martial Arts Stuff. Today, Sterling and I discuss police brutality from the view of a martial artist, and I have a full review of Wing Chun. If you'd like to reach Sterling or myself, we can be found at rockstarmedia.com. That's R-O-X-O-R media.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Episode Hello. 47 of Rockstar Media Podzor Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're in the martial arts, it's episode 6. Current episode minus 46. You big dolt. <laughs> ah, math. Nice try, though. Crap. Uh, all right. <laughs> Do we have anything that uh, was on the uh, forum? I don't know. I've been totally slacking. Me too. My wife has gone to Vegas. I think everybody's totally slacking, uh, to tell you the truth. So I've been playing World of Warcraft and trying to write and all that stuff, and so I've been really slacking on the yeah. forums. I'm on a couple of other boards and forums and stuff, and it's, it's all slow. I think you know, there was a certain... It's, it's working up toward Thanksgiving. People yeah. are starting to think about the holidays, trying to get that last-minute amount of work in before they stop working for the last month and a half. Right. Well, and there's a, th- I think there was an, a certain excitement when everybody got the oh. new iPods and downloading No, you know why people aren't talking? Why? It's because Sony released the PS3 in Japan. And everybody's playing it. Right. Right. All those Japanese yeah. people all the time right. on the boards and right. really just hammering our, yeah. our forums. Yeah, that's true. Now they're busy playing their PS3s. That's true. Yep. All 88,000. We did have that one, that, that one Japanese guy, uh, number three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy. That yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's just uh, get into the show. Let's dive right in. Let's shall dive we? right in, shall we? Okay, so the price is right. Was uh, is not was is, is. Uh, my review of Wing Chun, and I Dan, I'm, come on down. I uh, I'm actually going to be taking my yellow belt test on Thursday. Ooh, where are you taking it? Uh, I'm taking it <laughs> home with me, hopefully. Um, so I, you know, one of the things I really like about the art is they they have this concept and I really think that this is where um, this was where Bruce Lee sort of got his ideas for Jeet Kune Do is that they have a relatively limited set of movements and they just have a lot of different ways to practice those same moves. And so the reason that you can get your black belt in Wing Chun in a year or a year and a half is I, I think it's like 120 moves. Right. Um, and they've got, uh, let's see, they've got three hand forms. They've got one wooden dummy form with six parts. And they have two weapons. So it's not it's not what weapons. Like, and, uh, they use what butter? They use butterfly, the butterfly knives? knives and a really fucking gigantically long pole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I should take that class so I can learn how to use my tremendously long pole. Yeah, I think your wife would appreciate that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things that intrigues me the most through this is that all of the forms and all of the exercises and the wooden dummy are all sort of created to to hone your skills at those specific movements. Right. Um, 
And, you know, I've taken a lot of other martial arts, and they, it's, it's really, it seems to me anyway, that each exercise different things. And in Wing Chun, each exercise is to train you a different way for the same thing. Ah. And in fact... I um, gotcha. I'm with you. I was doing one of the wooden dummy forms, and uh, one of the guys came up to me, and he says, well, wait a minute. Look how you're standing. Right? And what I, what I was leaning into the wooden dummy. Okay. Think about your, uh, uh, your Sulem Tao, which is the first form. Okay. And he said, how do you stand in that? How do you do a Tan Sao, which is one of the standard blocks? Right. How do you do a Tan Sao in your Sealem Tao? Your structure in your Sealem Tao should be the same structure you have when you're doing the wooden dummy and should be the same structure you have when you're doing the Chi Sao. People that don't know the Chi Sao, um, well, I, I'm sure most people know what a woman, wooden dummy is. At least most of the martial artists listening know what a wooden <laughs> right. dummy is. If you don't, here's what it is. It's, it's a, a dummy that's made wood, of wood. Made of wood, yeah. <laughs> um, the Sealand Tau is uh, a sensitivity drill, mostly. Uh, is that the sticky hands type? That's, that's the sticky. It's a sticky hands, t- um, and it's it's very close. It's within. It's inside trapping range, um, but you also use your feet and legs, and you can trip. And I mean, you don't trip. What? And this is the balance too. Is that a lot of people? And this was my misconception about the. Um, the the chi sao is that it's not sparring and it's not combat it's almost wing chung's version of it's sort of like wing chung's version of a dynamic one step exercise okay so um one of the things that uh uh my instructor has has told me and the rest of the class anyway is that when you're going through this exercise and someone sort of quote unquote gets you you know, they get a strike in or something like that. Is your mic turned on? It is. Okay. Um, when they I'm get just a noticing on, yours is... Is on all the time. Yours is on, buddy. Yeah, and I'm wondering about that. It's um, fine. It makes me nervous. It's fine. I um, mean, maybe if you pull it outside of your mouth, it might help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kidding. I think it's perfect word. Don't, all right. Don't touch a thing. Don't touch a thing. Okay. Um, what the fuck no, when, when you sort of get somebody and you make contact or you make a real clear indication of a potential contact, you don't sort of break and go, oh, you got me. It's, it's the opportunity for the defender to say, what should I have done? Right. And then you ask the attacker, can you do that again? And do it again and do it again and thusly defend that particular. It sounds maneuver. a lot more, it sounds very scientific at that manner. Where it, now you've established, uh, what do they call that? Uh, when you like take a chemical, but one of them's just water and the other one's a chemical? The catalyst. Uh, not the catalyst. The water's uh, typically the. A, a water catalyst. It's like a sugar pill. What do they call a that? Sugar, uh, an enzyme. Oh, a, good a placebo. Lord. Thank you. A placebo. Yeah, a placebo. Yeah. And, and that's not the word I was thinking of either. Well, you're. You've got a laboratory, yeah. and you've, and that's an experiment that you've yeah. just stumbled yeah. upon. That's right. And you want to do the experiment over and over and yes. over again. Yep. And it's it's done in a very controlled way, and it's really, I mean, you can dip control. That's yeah. the word I was looking yeah. for. Okay. It's done in a very controlled way in that it becomes um, a, uh, well, depending on the person that you're doing it with, it can sort of be, move up into a semi-sparring uh, 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 exercise, right? Uh, but at the same time, what it's really intended for is 
a simulation of that and it's intended as an exercise but again all of these things are going back to you know and out of the 150 moves there's probably 10 or 15 that are common and those are the ones that you do a poxau you do a tansau um and and those are the ones that you do over and over and over and over again and i really think i mean I've done it with a couple of the red belts, a couple of the instru- I've done the chisa with a couple of the instructors. Mm-hmm. Uh, their arms are like steel bars when you're <laughs> doing chisa with them, and it seems to me that they are not exerting any effort doing it. And my shoulder about feels like it's going to fall off right after about twenty minutes of this. Um, but for them. You know, again, it, it feels to me like they're not exerting any energy at all. And it also feels like y- you are at their whimsy kind of thing, yeah. you know. And we talked a little bit about this is this is their game. I mean, you're, you're playing their game. So, yeah, them doing this for years and years, it's going to feel like that. Um, at the same time, I think it's interesting that the style focuses on these several moves and the idea of it is that you know and just just like Bruce Lee would say why study hundreds and hundreds of moves when you know five or six are really going to be the basis of almost everything you do in a self-defense situation right um a tendency to agree with that and we we've talked a l- I do too we we talked last episode about the difference between martial arts and self-defense yeah and i do think that it is important um at least for me anyway and and what my goals are in the martial art that i still have a martial art if i want to study self-defense i'm going to go study self-defense i want forms um i want structure i want you know, I to some degree I'm kind of a, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I like the history and things like that. I, I like the art part of the martial arts. Right. Um, and so for me, the Wing Chun has a really nice balance between those things. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, Wing Chun, at least from what I've seen, and maybe it's just my school, so there's a lot of caveats to this. But it seems that it has the same trappings of every other martial art, uh, except Sanyan Do, in my personal opinion, is that it has a tendency to be very insular. And so the kicks that you end up practicing are the blocks and the kicks that work against other practitioners of... Against other practitioners of that particular art. Right. Um, And I think the, the people that sort of I think of first is Aikido. Aikido is, to me, a stereotypical example of this in that when you throw a punch, there's a very... Now, and again, we've talked about the difference between combat and sure. you know practicing for combat and practicing for um, form and structure. Right. Uh, but when you throw a very stylized sort of roundhouse punch that's coming from way outside... And the Aikido practitioner comes in at your feet and falls on the ground. Well, that's that's all good for that exact type of attack, right? Um, and I think Wing Chun has sort of the same thing in that 
Uh, for example, and I do know this works, so it's, it's good, but the check kick, where when someone's kicking at you, you raise your leg up and essentially, better picture, kick them in the ankle. Right. So you check their kick before they, they, they actually get it off the ground. Yep. Um, I do know from being in Taekwondo for a little while, one of the things that they really put a focus on is bringing your knee up first. So you bring your knee up, you get your foot way off the ground, and then you kick straight out. Right. You can't do that check kick right. with that against that kind of kick. And not practicing for that kind of kick is detrimental to a a more global experience of you know, what's going to happen to me in a fight or sparring or something like that. Yeah. Other than that, um, and and again, I think most martial arts fall into that pattern. Um, I tend to agree with that. Yeah. And that's where I personally would go back to the fact that um, it's important to get experience in a variety of martial arts uh, because... Then you to everything, right? Because, yeah, and I think I I I tend to agree that you need that kind of exposure yeah. around. And I also think that typically, well, I don't know, maybe not typically. You know, I know for me and for you and a lot of the martial arts martial artists that I've trained with or chosen to train with, we have a tendency to be wanderers. We move from system yeah. to system, yeah, and we stay there. I mean, for a couple of years, right. but then we move. Yeah. And I mean, and maybe, maybe it's because right. I've been exposed to those kinds of people, but I have a tendency to think that that's the way to do it. Yeah. And, you know, that's not to say that uh, I listen to some other podcasts. Uh, uh, Karate Cafe is one of my favorites. Um, and those guys have a lot of experience in, a, in, in one martial art, like 14, 15 years in the same. And just hearing the way they talk about their martial art they know that shit inside and out backward and forward and i do think there's a there is a certain benefit to that especially if you're teaching others of course of course there is um and so it you know it all comes back to what do you want out of your martial art experience very personal decision right um but i guess one last thing about wing chun that i do that i i just thought of that i think is interesting is uh they do everything on both sides. Ah. So, like, the second form that you do, there's three parts to it. And essentially, the first half of the first part is on one side. And then you do and then the second part, you do one side, then the other side. Then the third part, you do one side, then the other side. And they always punch not really in a fighting stance where you have one foot forward, but where you're squared up against someone with both feet equidistant right. and facing forward, which I think is interesting. Um, the other thing, I guess, as far as the punching goes, focus on punching from your elbow, which is weird. Uh, they they always want your elbows low and in, and tucked. Right. Uh, and part of that is to defend your ribs, uh, but part of it is to practice generating power from a short distance. And so oftentimes it's about speed more than it is about power. Right. But the range they've chosen to specialize in. I mean, right. you're in a range where... Right, that's very true. You're you, not going to wind up. No, you're not. Yeah. I mean, you're done. You yeah. wind up. I mean, by the time your arm's cocked back, you're, they've already, if they're smart, they've already, they're on top of you at that yeah. point. You can't afford to waste that time. Yep. 
Yep. And you shouldn't be doing that, in my opinion, in any, yeah. Yeah. any kind of punch you throw. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're having to wind up, then that's just telegraphing. But Right. And I guess uh, one might argue that, say, a, a, a boxing-type punch, where you have one jab and you have one cross. Right. Uh, in this situation, they're both, your shoulders are squared up against your opponent. And they're both even. Well, I guess from, um, we'll say, a pseudo-real-life situation here, most people, I would imagine, in a situation... I mean, when you stand right. and you're talking to people at the water you're fountain... Not gonna, you're not going to have one foot forward. You always, I always stand when I face yeah. somebody. I never turn sideways. I never have yeah. a foot in front of them. I'm always standing with my feet parallel, and I'm yeah. squared off with them. And so if someone's going to kind of jump you yeah. or surprise you, you may start, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't eventually go back to some other type of position, but right. you, that's a, an interesting position to start from, and we do that in San Yundo. Right, that's right. With hands down. With even. hands down, because yeah. a lot of times that's the way you're caught. Right. Yep. So now, whether that's the reason they do it or not, I don't know. I don't know. But. Yeah, it's a really weird stance, too, because you're sort of pigeon-toed as right. well, and, and leaning backward a little bit. Really? Yeah, it's a very strange stance, and it takes a while to get comfortable in. Um, but again, I think it goes back to being a well-rounded. And once you go through a couple of styles, it allows you to take what you feel is valid and what is good and kind of just throw away the rest, you know? And not that there's anything necessarily to throw away, quote-unquote. But I do think that there are things that are more valid than others. Yeah. Um, that so. reminds me, for some reason, of uh, when we used to do a garage when we were in Kalamazoo. Yes. And whoever the training partner was while we are on the heavy bag would call yeah. it a different stylist. You're fighting a Taekwondo you're, right, person. Right. You're, fighting, uh, 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 you're fighting a Thai boxer. A, a Thai boxer. Uh, you're fighting yeah. a Wing Chun right, player. You right. know, and you'd have to adjust your style to either... Uh, you know, get inside their kicking range. Right. Your your objective or, was to not in their game. Right. It was figure you out throw them off as figure much as out, you and can. it was not really about the style, it was more about how they chose to fight. Right. Everybody fights, you know, the different styles have a specific type oh, yeah. of fighting type yep. that they do. Yep. And your objective was to determine how to not fight their game. Yep. So, yep. you know, kick a kick a boxer and box a kicker. Right, exactly. Exactly. Well, um, so anyway, I wanted to sort of give my general opinion and a little review. I do think that if if people are looking for a more practical art yet still traditional art, uh, it's it's definitely a good way to go. And so and and most of the people that I have talked to that are from smaller schools, it's sort of informal. Um, one guy trained for belt, uh, so it has a tendency to be a little less formal. Uh, my school is very formal, so it's just like you gotta ch you gotta check it out for yourself. But it's like I say, I think that it. Well, I didn't think when I well, at least unless you changed how everything was going the last time I was there with you, or at least talk with them, it yeah. didn't seem overly formal. No, and it's not. I mean, like this guy that was at another school, he was the years or something like that, and then he hadn't done anything. Now, in, in two years, I'll get you a black belt in Wing Chun. Right. Um, but he hadn't trained in like four years. So when he came back to the school, he just didn't wear a belt. Ah, gotcha. And, and, and Chan, you know, he doesn't really care. He's right. like, wear it, don't wear it, I don't care. And he, he told me when I came back for the Jal Gar, um, he said, you know, I, I got to a green belt. And he said, as soon as you're comfortable wearing your green belt and you feel like you know the stuff that you need to know for your green belt, just start wearing it again. So it wasn't a matter of retesting or anything like that. So it is pretty casual, but I think, too, that 
you know, he has tests monthly. Okay. And so every month, all of the students have an opportunity to sit the next belt. So uh, that's interesting. So he'll let you test if you want to test. Yeah. If you feel you're ready. That's right. He lets you test. Yeah, although he does do a, a pre-test process. Okay. So you go through a pre-test, and then he'll be like, mm, maybe you should wait. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think in general you have to go to him and say, I feel like I'm ready to test. And that might be part of it. Right. Is to say, well, you're not, you're not ready to test unless you feel confident enough to at least come to me and say you're ready to test. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So, again, if you're looking for a slightly more practical art but still something that is traditional, uh, I, I definitely think it's a good way to go. It's, it's fun. It's a good time, and I love the wooden dummy. I don't know. There's something very novel about it. Cool. So there we go. Uh, if you have any questions about it, uh, anyone has any questions out there, you can email me, dan at rockstormedia.com. Uh, or you can email me, and I'll just forward it on to Dan. Or <laughs> you can post your question on the forum. Ooh, even better. Even better. Rockstormedia.com slash forums. Forum. Forum. Is it a forum? Mm. I just got to fucking add that redirect. Singular... Fuck it. Are you going to mess up the website when you do it Probably. like you did earlier today? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, now right. you posted this video up here. I did. This, this is old, about? actually. This happened in October. Okay. Uh, it's November now, yeah? Yeah. Um, oh, which reminds me. What's today? Uh, did you already say that? I didn't say that. Oh, today's November 13th, November 2006. 13th. Monday. Right. Wow, there you go. Okay. There you go. Well, anyway, there was a clip on YouTube of these two cops in L.A. that had this guy on the ground. Did you watch the video? I watched the video. Okay, they had this guy on the ground, and, of course, they're under. now they're under scrutiny. Or they went under scrutiny. I think they ended up letting the cops off or whatever. Okay. I think that was the outcome. Um, I didn't really look up because that wasn't the point here, I guess. My point was whether or not these cops were being overly brutal to this guy or what. Right. Now, obviously, if it's a 10-second clip, we're missing a lot of stuff. Like, how did it start? Right. And really, in the end, how they arrested the guy. But let's let's go over what was in the video. I mean, for those of you that want to see it, it's rockstormedia.com. You go to the notes page for the episode. Uh, you'll see our wiki, and down a bit, you'll see police brutality, the video. Yeah. Um, but what the video is, is uh, there's two cops. They have a guy on the ground. Uh, with, uh, one guy is essentially... Uh, putting a knee into his like abdomen area and one guy the well, other the cop, one guy was in the mount the one cops in the mount oh, on he the was guy in the mount the other guy had had uh, his knee into the guy's neck right uh, and the other knee on the ground above his other, head and the so other knee on the ground above his face head. is basically in the guy's crotch right you know, knee yep. on the neck yep. and they have the guy pretty well trapped there he was not going to go anywhere right Right. Um, so uh, the, now I don't think this alone would obviously be brutality. Because correct. Because to me, they are simply, uh, uh, what, do they, what do you call it, dealing uh, uh, the guy. Right, you right. Know? And they're trying to arrest him. And they're trying to arrest him. And the charges were for, it wasn't, even, it wasn't a violent crime, uh, but it was, it was still a felony of some sort. Okay. Um, and... Uh, so basically, if you watch the video, you see the just of it happens is yes. is the one cop. They're basically trying to get him 
to it looked relax, like to roll over, to roll over, or something. And I think they were trying to get his back so that they could cuff his hands behind his back, roll around to his stomach. So roll, yeah, his, roll yeah. around to his stomach. Well, but what happened was this guy was freaking out because the cop's knee was on his neck and he was having right. trouble breathing. Right. So he grabbed one of the cop's wrists. I don't know if you saw that, but he did. I missed that. And the cop said, "Let go of me," and the guy wouldn't let go. So the cop that was on his neck punched him in the face a bunch of times till the guy let go right. of the other cop. The times means three or four. Right, and I then mean, he stopped. He, he hit him in the face three or four but times. And then he stopped, and he hit him like twice more. Right. And the guy eventually let go and was trying to use his hands to defend. Yeah. And meanwhile, the guy on the bottom, the guy, the criminal, who was they were trying to arrest, was basically yeah. saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. So, you know, I got mixed feelings on the whole thing. I do too. They could have sat there for an indeterminate, either totally chilled out and they could do what they wanted with him and they talked him down. Or they could do what they did and beat him into submission until he physically was unable to do anything but just let them roll him around. Right. And I guess the big question for me is, was what they were doing effective for the purpose that they were trying for? For example, right? The guy had his, and this was my problem with it, is the guy had his knee in the other guy's throat. Right Now, first of all, he was saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Now, when I can't breathe, I say, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Right. Right. So <laughs> I totally that, agree. That's one thing, although the guy was panicked. He was obviously panicked. So, the is that one guy's knee was in his throat, leaning against him, and they were wanting him to roll over onto his stomach. I think part of the problem was is how was the guy supposed to roll over onto his stomach? See, the thing is for me with though, the knee in the throat. I never heard them say roll over. It seemed they well, were trying to get another problem. They were trying to get a pair of them. And you saw them. They were grabbing his hand, trying to just handcuff a hand, and he wouldn't. They let had them one do cuffed. That. If you watch the video, they had one cuffed, and I think they were trying to cuff the other one. It I didn't think they wanted him to do it behind his back. They were just trying to get him cuffed in general. It doesn't seem to me that the the level of aggression displayed was necessary for the task that they were trying to perform. No, but he really started struggling. You notice those cops, both of them, had to struggle to stay on top of the guy. He struggled once or twice hard enough to lift the one cop completely yeah. off the ground. The other cop really had to dig in to keep his position. So right. there was, I mean, the guy was obviously strong, and it was taking the two of them quite a bit of effort to keep him down if he wanted to try to get up. Okay, well... I guess that the is how do you get someone you know if you're just trying to cuff the guy was that the best way to do it no you no. know and if that's the situation okay you're just gonna you're just gonna do that it's fine but now okay go ahead I, I'm just gonna say there are other circumstances that are not considered first of all whether you're cops or not you're in a situation, who knows what neighborhood they're in, or some sort of gang. Okay. So you're worried about... So maybe they were trying to do it quickly. A, you're worried about getting the guy cuffed, get him in the car, and get out of there. Because right. as far as I'm concerned, if you're a gang member, are you really going to care if there's a bunch of cops taking your boy? No. Right. So you got that to think about. Right. Somebody's videotaping them. Somebody, you hear them talking when they're punching the guy. They're, you hear somebody in the background yelling, hey, he didn't do That's anything. That's brutality. He didn't do anything to right. you. Yeah, I think about situations like that. What happened before the cops were there? Are they all pumped up? Because this kid, first, you know, A, this kid, if you read the background on it, he ran from them. So they okay. have to chase him down now. They're not sure what he's going to do. They know he's a member of a gang. They're a well, little nervous. So that doesn't excuse it, right. but we all know what happens when you're pumped up on adrenaline. Well, my thought is, though, is that 
if if I were owned in that situation, for me personally, I would have a hard time. I think I would be able to, but I would have a hard time overcoming the panic of someone's knee is in my throat and someone else is mounting me and I'd have a really tough time axing enough to let them cuff me because I'd be panicked to just get out of the situation. Right, but when they're police officers, I know, it's an entirely different matter. I know, but I think, I think there's an instinctual reaction to try and defend yourself from that position. And you're absolutely right, which is another point I wanted to bring up, and I actually was reminded of this, um, lifesavers, people who say people yeah. who are drowning. Yeah. It is very common when you are drowning to panic the other, person, take with the other person with you. And when you're in that situation, what do you do? You, you beat them right. until they're unconscious to stop right. them from panicking or you will die. Now, what I think would be interesting, and, and to me, it sounds to me anyway like the appropriate measures were taken. First of all, to sort of defend the cops, one, one of the toughest jobs in the world and it's dangerous. And, and you're under a microscope And you're all under a microscope and thank God for cops, you know, uh, except the one that gave my wife a ticket two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, and even he was just doing his job. So anyway, um, one of the things I did notice that when the one cop was punching him in the face, wind up, punch the guy to, I guarantee you, his nose wasn't broken, and he probably wasn't even bleeding from no, those punches. he had to get stitches over one of his eyes. Oh, he did? He did. Okay. But um, you're right, because we talked about this before. You know, when we were t- I think we were talking about the girl fight videos. Right. Where these girls were whining. I mean, they were right. smashing each other. Right. And the other girls weren't even bleeding. Right. This guy was, this cop that was on top was pretty big. Right. And if he wanted to lay this guy oh, yeah. out and punch oh, yeah. him as hard as possible, and he wasn't really, I mean, he was hitting him hard. Right. Hard enough to try to kind of either snap him out of his panic or something. Well, this is, but this is what it made me think of, is that uh, I remember very clearly, and some of the UFC guys do it, but the Gracies were the best at this. And what they would, um, once they got into some sort of position, they would just use these short punches to the guy. And it wasn't so much, I'm going to do a ton of damage. It was, I'm going to maneuver this person by, if I hit him in the gut long enough, at some point, they're going to drop their arm to block their gut. Right. And what, I don't really care about hitting him in the gut. I want them to drop. So it's more of a, it, it's, it's, it's more of a means to an end than it is for the effect of punching him. And I think that that's where sort of the opinion of a martial artist comes into play because you can see those punches and and somebody else, uh, I I would think anyway, for someone that's untrained, they would see that as really, really violent. Oh my God, you know, this guy is obviously prone. Obviously, I mean, he's not going anywhere and he can't fight back. And it's very easy to say this guy on the ground is not a danger to you because of your situation. You're just punching him in the face. Well, and, and this is why I made the assumption that he was trying to get him to roll over because I thought that, you know, my first thought was if he, if I were getting hit in the face, I want to roll over and cover my face. Or maybe he was trying to get him to bring up his hand to cover his face. Right. You know? So I don't think the punch in the face was to, like, calm the guy down or piss him off worse or anything like that or say... You're trying to get him to do something that he's obviously not going to do by just talking to him. Right. I do think that 
to me, and violence that was shown in the video would warrant an investigation. And I agree with that as well. And I think that if if those cops have a history or a pattern of it, then you might have a problem on your hands. Um, if it's, this was the only incident, if they've made 500 arrests and this has happened five times, ah, uh, no, you know, especially when you consider the element of dealing, especially when given the circumstance. Yeah. Um, I also I I clicked on a link from this video, and. It looked it was like police brutality in, in LA live, you know, blah 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 blah. And one of the things I noticed um, is that what looks really, really brutal to eye looks really benign to a trained eye. Right. Because one of the things these cops were doing is they were running around and they were hitting people in the thighs with their billy clubs about as hard as they could. And you and I both know that a billy club doesn't have a tremendous amount of weight to it. No, it doesn't. So it's not like somebody. No, you're it's not, not going to get that. That and weight. I've been hit in the thigh with a full force swing from a rattan stick, right. which is pretty similar. And it fucking sucks. It stings like a bitch. But I tell but you what, it's not going to send you to the hospital. No, you know, you're not in any life threatening danger from right. a smack across the thighs with and a I stick think, like that. And I think that if you're a cop and you're trying to get control of a situation and clear people away, you arrest one guy. And they were having a problem because, I guess, two guys were fighting. And, of course, it was a crowd situation, and so you had these other guys that were sort of piling on top, and some wanted to help. And this is, I would imagine this is a problem that a lot of cops see, is that if there's four or five cops and two guys are fighting, the cops go... Okay, these guys maybe maybe they're burning out something like that. They're not they're they're wrestling more than they are fighting. Right. We're gonna let them burn out just a little bit more before we grab somebody. Of course. Meanwhile, you have quote unquote helpers that go. I'm gonna dive in there and pull somebody off somebody else. Well, that doesn't fucking help at all. Right. And so the cops, you know, one guy go in and grab another dude from behind, and the cop bam hit him in the leg, pretty hard. You know, and the guy was like, oh, "I was just trying to help." Blah 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 blah. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, there's five cops standing around. You know, yeah. they can they can yeah. take care of it. A, they probably don't need your help, and B, how do they know that if you right. don't if you don't how, know what the hell you're even doing? Even if you yell, "I'm helping," and run in there, they don't know. They don't know, and they can't take the chance right. that it's all of a sudden going to uh, turn. In fact, and if it turns into a two-on-one, all of a sudden. They got a huge mess right. on their hands. Right, and then there. it escalates, and it's yeah. like you can't do that. Ah. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I have a tendency when again we didn't see the whole video and we don't know the whole story. I have a tendency to think, um, especially when in the videos that I've seen, when it's two cops trying to arrest one person, oftentimes there seems to be a miscommunication about what they're trying to do. So, for example, one cop is trying to get him to roll over one direction. The other cop is trying to get him to roll over the other direction. Right. And they sort of beat him into a pretzel. Right. Um, I think, too, that for the cops, they've got a lot of adrenaline that they've got to deal with. Of course they do. Um, And uh, I I do know that I heard a story that, like, for for cop chases, when a cop's chasing a perp, (laughs) um, (laughs) that... uh, they get into these high-speed chases, and 
sometimes jump out and beat the hell out of the guy that he was chasing. Yeah. And it's just because his adrenaline is Yeah, your is life is in danger and, and other people's you know? lives are in danger and this guy is right. being an ass and right. yeah, so And so I would imagine one of the really tough things about being a cop is pulling that back. Right. You know, and not doing that. Well, and my thing is for the people who think that cops are just being like, you know what? Why don't you someday right. do that right. and see how you react. Right. See how you react when some guy jumps on top of you and tries to take your gun out of your holster. Well, and not not just that, but, I mean, you know, I think that, that you and I have seen enough videos and had enough experience inside the dojo of saying that even when you're in a situation where it's a two- um the the cops are not looking to get away without being killed they're getting they're trying to get away without being hurt because right. they need to come to work the next day right and if every time they arrested some guy they got a broken nose from it that's not an acceptable situation right. a lot of times when you're in the dojo you say well if i can defend myself against an attacker enough where i can get away then I'm going to call that a win. Right. That's not acceptable for cops. Right. They can't, like this guy that was struggling, if he had lashed out and broken one of their noses, this, you know, this right. would be a real problem. And not for only them. that, the cop's objective is not to get away. Their objective is to obtain a person. And they, yeah. I mean, that's their job. Their right. job is not to get, is not to damage right. them just so they can get away. They have to stay there. And so oftentimes you have the sort of the exact opposite reaction of martial arts slash self defense. Which is not defend and get away. It is attack, attack and subdue. And don't let them get away. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very different mindset. Totally different and rules for that. Right. You know? And, and yeah, I mean... If that yeah. dude needed a couple of stitches... I mean, I, 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 I got to say, well, in all honesty, if, if I were in that situation... And I, I, I can't say unless I were actually in that situation... Your cat's climbing up behind the books. I know. Um, I can't say until... I, it's one of those things where you can't say unless you were really there. But I situation, and I had the chance later on to realize that I may have instinctually been resisting a little bit. A, I ran from them. A, I ran from them. B, B when I was down there, I was struggling to I get was, away. Right. Then getting popped in the head a couple of times and having a couple of stitches... That's probably you what I deserve. Probably deserved it. Yeah. All right. So, so anyway, so well, that's just a, a martial artist perspective. Yeah. On, and I guess that's on the some thing of the there. Police brutality videos you know, that if, you might see. And the other thing, I guess, on the other token is, don't run from the police. Yeah. It's, if they're after you and it's a mistake, it'll get worked out. Yeah. It's very. No matter what people tell you and all the crazy stories you yeah. read, it's very, very rare for the police to be after you when you really haven't done anything. It's so rare. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And if it is the case, yep. let them take you in. Because guess what? At least in Michigan, yeah. if you are falsely arrested, yes. you win $10,000. It's like the lottery. Wow, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, the other thing I think would be interesting is, um, I, at least my perception is, is that cops get into this guy, and they, they may or may not file charges of resisting arrest. Right, because I I do think that sometimes you know this is not an all the time thing. I do think that sometimes cops are like, "Hey, you know what? We understand 
the situation screaming out directions. One guy is telling you to do this. One yes. guy is telling you to do that. You're confused. You everybody's all, confused. Everybody's panicked and confused. Everybody's panicked and confused. And so, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna give you an, a resisting arrest charge because you weren't like. I mean, it's one thing if you square off to him and start swinging. Right. Entirely different. That's a pretty clear intention. If you if, if you're running and they tackle you and then all of a sudden you're, you're freaking struggling out, on the ground. That's entirely different. That's enti- and I've seen it on cops before. Yeah. Where they'll tackle these guys, they'll wrestle them to the ground, they'll cuff them, and then they'll say, "What were you doing, dude? Why were you running from the cops?" And he's like, and the guy goes, "I don't know. I just panicked." And he's like, "Well, yep. You know, just chill out, man." And, and, and that's and a big sit- panic. I just panicked. And the cops are usually kind of cool to tell you that. And I don't know if it's just because they have the camera, but they usually seem pretty cool. It's right. like, well, sit in the back well, and chill and out, and then we'll the talk thing, to you. And a lot of people are under this, I think, this mistaken impression that because this guy's wearing a uniform, that he's not human. Right. They are right. just going to work. They're going to work every day. I get to go to work and type on a computer for eight hours a day. Work every day and yeah. deal with who knows what. Yeah. Some yeah. jackass who beats his wife. Yep. You know, some some kid who drank too much and drove his car. No, and they some have guy one of the who... highest percentage of suicide rates, don't they? Cops? Cops? I don't think so. Oh, I thought it was pretty high. I don't think. I mean, maybe it's pretty high, but yeah. not one of the highest, and as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Dentists, I think, actually. Dentists, really? Mm-hmm. I can see that. So many people are afraid to go to the dentist that dentists get a complex about that, and they kill themselves. Well, you know, they probably of, all die happy. With a lot all of that people fun are afraid to, to, to come see me, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> You're not going to kill yourself? <laughs> no. All right, so anyway, we pretty much beat that to next, death. Next time you see one of the <laughs> but um bum. Well, it's it, next time you see one of those uh, police videos, just uh, your cat. Just keep in mind that there may be other factors, and how how hurt is hurt, and how brutal is brutal. Right. You know, if that guy were taking his billy club to the other dude's head, yeah, that's bad. a whole different matter. That'd have been bad. That's a whole um, different matter. And and you know. So anyway, uh, shall we move on to other stuff and say goodbye to our martial arts stuff listeners? So long. Goodbye, martial arts stuff. Baby.